Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, from last week's 50th show, a lot has changed uh, since the recording of this show. It feels like forever since I've recorded an actual show. We did it back last Monday and we're already more than halfway through the week here. Um, really appreciate everybody tuning in to the 50th episode. And uh, man, it was one of the most listened to shows we've had in a while and I was worried because of how long it was. Some people would be like, to hell with that. But uh, a lot of people at least listened to some of it. And it looks like most of y'all enjoyed the bonus podcast that we did. For some reason, the my, my dashboard tells me that thing had zero clicks, which makes zero sense because I had people sending me screenshots. They were listening to it. Speedway Video, who we partnered with, um, their video has over 250 views right now. And I, I know that's not the same as a down or a download for a podcast, but I know people listen to that thing. I listened to it twice. Margo listened to it twice. And I had multiple people, um, you know, like the link and, and comment and tell me how much they enjoyed that style of episode. So I don't have an official count and I don't really care. If six people listened to it and enjoyed it, then guess what? At least it was, you know, a, a benefit to those people. So we will be doing more of those, and hopefully we'll partner with Speedway Video, and he can overlay the audio over the video again if you um, you know want to go back and watch it uh, with the video in the background. So that was a real cool thing that, uh, that Tom from Speedway Video um, was able to do. So we should see more collaborations like that uh, in the near future. But again, um, last time we were with you, the day after Memorial Day, we had Austin Griffiths in here, Margo was in here. And she will join us on the second half of the show for a quick segment. So, uh, again, we do have a lot to get to, even though this week's show is going to be different than what we thought a week and a half ago. Um, of course, it rained. We had the basically the beginnings or the ends of that hurricane that was in the Pacific. So it came through the bottom of the state. And uh, it washed out pretty much everybody, 417. I don't even think they were racing. Uh, New Smyrna canceled. Auburndale canceled. Uh, Showtime canceled. So the only place I really got to do anything was Citrus County Speedway. And of course, we talked to Austin about it last week. And he mentioned the uh, Night of Carnage that they had. And um, when New Smyrna rained out about three hours after we made the call, Austin messages me and say, and he says, hey, man, why don't you come join me for Night of Carnage? Come up in the booth and we'll have a little fun. And obviously, we've worked together a number of times at New Smyrna. So, and we're friends. And obviously, we've done this podcast. And, um, I said, heck yeah, man, I'd love to. And he got the permissions. And again, I want to thank the Citrus County Speedway and Cameron Ray for allowing me to go over there and do that. They could have said, we're not having no new Smyrna guy up in our tower. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there. And I don't think they're true. I think every track is just trying to do what they have to do. And hey, that doesn't mean everybody's got to like everybody. But uh, I really appreciate uh, Cameron and, and the Citrus County Speedway for having me. Um, it was a blast, man. It was cool to check off a uh, a new track that I had never announced that before. And, man, to, to announce in front of a sellout crowd, is it, it just has a different atmosphere because you, you can feel the energy and it just makes it that much more fun to to announce. And, I mean, you know, um, I, I've talked to people like, you can make a five-car race sound just as exciting as a 25-car race. You can sound just as exciting to a sellout crowd as you can to a, you know, 100 people. So... I mean, either way, I knew I was going to go have fun, and I was glad to be able to get out there and get that new experience. And, 
you know, I enjoy these nights of carnages or these crash aramas or these nights of destruction, whatever you want to call them. I, I enjoy these style of event because it, it's just the good old boys. Anybody can do it. And it's just, you never know what you're going to get. And you can be a little loose. You can make some jokes and just have fun. And that's uh, that's what we did. So, again, instead of, I know last week we talked, you know, we're going to go to New Smyrna and do all this stuff. But none of that happened because of the weather. And then as unpredictable as tropical systems are, it stayed more south. And I don't know if it rained in New Smyrna. I wasn't in New Smyrna. So I will say that they probably would have lost their butts if they raced. Because uh, this is not a, a knock on the modifieds, but there wasn't going to be many. And there's just, there hasn't been many. We go over around the state every week and there's never very many at any track. It's a struggle. Uh, but the track still has to pay out. You know, if there's four cars, that's still, that's most of the payout. So the track's still losing. Nobody's excited to see four modifieds. You know, people might be excited to see an individual like Jerry Simons or Alan Bruns or Wayne Parker but nobody's excited overall to see a four, three, five car race. So the fan count probably was going to be minimal. Uh, there were some good divisions, super stocks, bombers, um, that were going to be on the car that would have helped. But I think the track would have lost their ass if they raced and looking at the weather and the possibility of it being a complete washout. And if, if it didn't rain, even at, you know, if it rained in the morning, but didn't rain at night, it would probably scare people away. The lack of modifieds would probably hurt. So I just don't think it would have been a good crowd anyway because of the question of the weather. Whether it rains or not, if the weather looks like it's going to be very questionable, the track sees that, the fans see that, the drivers see that. And sometimes, and hey, Auburndale admitted, we made a business decision to cancel our races today. Sometimes tracks have to do that. Citrus County, though, got very lucky. It was sunny. It was hot. It was, um, it was way hotter than I thought. We didn't get a drop of rain. Maybe we could have used a little bit here and there. But anyways, a great experience over at the Citrus County Speedway. I had a ton of fun. Uh, working with Austin is a blast. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. And, and it was just overall a great night. Uh, we'll talk a little bit in depth about the night of carnage. And uh, we will cover everything that happened at the NASCAR race. And then Marco is going to join us for a short segment at the end of the show. We're going to let you know which drivers we think have overachieved or underachieved so far in the Cup Series. And uh, she apologizes for not being on the whole show. Um, she's out with the kids right now doing some stuff. Uh, this is Dawson's last summer before school. So um, she's on. Uh, she, she's out with the kids and will join us for a short segment at the back. I know a lot of people enjoy having her on the show. But, hey, we'll get to hear her opinions at the end. So let's get into the show here. Um, th- this will be a fun episode because we're going to talk different stuff. Um, but I do want to thank our sponsors here. Of course, American auto, uh, our anchor sponsor, they're going to be our anchor sponsor for a long, long time. Let's put it that way. A huge supporter of what we do here at the racing with Ryan podcast. Also, of course, big thank you to 124 welding and fabrication, Ron Alessandro and his company. Big thank you to Andy Morrison and never give up racing, uh, for their continued support of the podcast. And then Jeff white racing has come on board. JWR now a, uh, will be a longtime sponsor of this show as well. So thank you guys for the support. Again, if you do want to jump on board, $5 an episode, you can do what some people have done. Hey, I want to sponsor this episode. Or you can hop on board and, and become a you know an anchor sponsor like some of our other guys. Um, again, $5 an episode. If you hand me a wad of cash, divide by five. That's how many episodes you get. And sometimes I throw in bonus episodes because 
Well, I appreciate those who support me. So, with that said, let's talk about the Citrus County uh, Night of Carnage, which was the first time I've I, I've done these events before with uh, with, with um, Knights of Destruction in, in Mo. I've done a couple at Auburndale and a couple at Orlando, so I had experience here. But again, my first time announcing over at Citrus County, and again, Austin Griffiths, he's the announcer over there. So this was his show, and I let him do his thing, and hey, I just added some commentary, helped him out, uh, did a couple of the interviews. But again, this was this was his show, so I made sure that he still got to shine because uh, I would never go to somebody else's track to work with them and try to take over. Now, it's different if you go and you're the only one there and you're, you know, uh, you're filling in or they need somebody and you're one person. But when you go to another track, I feel like it is respectful to let their announcer run their show and not try to take over. And I, you know, I, I wanted to make make damn sure that Austin still felt like he was the man because that's his track and he does a great job by himself over there now, now that uh, Tony's gone. So again, it was just, it was nice. And hey, he's the one that reached out to me and, and wanted me to come out there. And I really, really appreciate that. And again, he's always welcome at New Smyrna to come announce. And I think it goes both ways now. So uh, great turnout in the pits. They had like 15 buses, over 50 enduro cars, uh, and then a whole bunch of other stuff survived. My biggest takeaway from the night is, yes, there were crashes. Yes, there were spins. There were wild moments. Um, I, I think the crowd more than got their $15 worth, and that what a great price point for this type of event. 15 bucks for all that action. Um, but it was some of the best racing I've ever seen in these type of events. I mean, normally you just, you go for the wrecks, you don't remember who wins, you don't care who wins, you don't remember necessarily the good battles, but man, this one had it. And it started in the Enduro. Um, it was a 60 lap grocery getter Enduro. They ran 30 laps in the Oval, they stopped them, and then they did a kidney bean through the X on the back straightaway. So instead of just going down the back straightaway straight, you turn in and, and kidney bean shape through the intersection. And uh, so that mixed it up. First 30 laps were typical. You had a number of cars fall out and crash out, um, have the cars die, whatever. A couple of wild spins, a couple of wild moments. Uh, but it really got good with about, I think it was seven, eight laps to go. And um, uh, you had three guys on the same lap. Typically at an Enduro, no matter the length, you, you basically have one guy in the lead lap unless they blow a tire, blow up, crash and then somebody else takes over who's a couple laps away. But we had three drivers, James Urban in the 82, Frank Maness in the 444, and of course Zachary Curtis. Everybody knows Zach Curtis is going to be if he's if he's there, he's going to be a player and he was. And it got real interesting with a few to go. They were battling through lap traffic. James Urb or Jim Urb, as some of you may know him. He's got the lead. Zach Curtis is closing in. There's lap traffic. Zach looks to the inside. Jim kind of comes down. They make contact. Jim and Zach go sideways through the infield. And I made a point as I, I walked the track because uh, I'd never actually, you know, really looked at the track before to, to announce a race. And I looked at the infield. I'm like, this infield is rough. If anybody gets in this infield, they're going for a ride tonight. And those cars were digging and bouncing around. They were able to keep it straight. And Zach Curtis comes out with a lead. And I know he's won a lot of races at Citrus. And even if I didn't know that, there was like a collective like, of course Zach Curtis is in the lead at the end of an enduro, like in the tower. Because they all know, they watch Zach Curtis too. Um, but Zach takes the lead and he wins the race. And he is normally, he's pretty mild-mannered in victory lane. Um, but it was a very exciting finish. It was wild and crazy. 
Frank Maness tried to get up there and, and take the lead away. We had three drivers finish this race in the lead lap. Unofficially, Maness was like four seconds back, which is extremely close. And then Jim Irv was only eight seconds back. That's really close in an enduro of 60 laps, especially with the kidney bean and all that stuff and the car count. But uh, so me and Austin are making our way down. And to get to Victory Lane from Citrus, you have to go out the back of the tower. You have to walk down some steps. You have to come around the concession building, come through the plethora of people in line trying to get food, and then work your way up past the grandstands. And you can't see anything going on on the racetrack until you get through the grandstands. And apparently James, or Jim Herb, I keep looking at the scoring here, uh, Jim Herb came up and expressed his displeasure with Zach. And Zach was just, he was distraught because that's his friend. And he wasn't trying to wreck him. And uh, he, they, they exchanged words. And I don't know what was said. I wasn't there. But Zach was just like, you know, he was saying he was, I was trying to wreck him and all this stuff. And Zach's just, he was like, I was just trying to race for the win, man. So a heated race for the win in the Enduro between friends. And you get this kind of thing. So tempers were boiling over. It was wild. And Zach Curtis wins. It, of course, he won the Bad Bunny event at New Smyrna earlier this year. And now he picks up the win here at Citrus. Um, and by the way, I don't think I mentioned this at the top of the show, Zach will be joining us for an interview later on. Actually, after this segment here, Zach will hear from Zach Curtis. And, and we'll hear a little bit more about this and in, in kind of the aftermath of it all. Um, definitely unexpected, but not, a, not unexpected at the same time with this type of event. So in my opinion, one of the wow, one of the best Enduros I've ever seen, just because it had everything. It had Rex. Um, it had familiar names up near the front. We all know Jim Herb. We all know Zach Curtis. Uh, some other people, some other notables. Neil Hearn was in the race. Thomas Pete, Rebecca Cattarelli, uh, people that we've talked about on this show and other avenues of racing before. So um, Daniel Webster was in the race. Um, a couple of other uh, names here, Neil Wallace. They Unofficially, it looks like 48 cars started and uh, three finished on the lead lap. That's pretty incredible. So congratulations to Zach Again, we will hear from him after the recap of the Night of Destruction. Uh, next thing I want to talk about, the Ford Outlaws. They had to run three heat races, and they ran a 40-lap race, and it was an awesome, awesome race. 40 laps, 30 cars showed up, 29 started the feature. I mean, and that's one of the thing I, things I asked during, during the heat race. I said, are we qualifying all the cars? Is there people going home? Nope, they let them all start. Uh, first heat race was a bit wild. The rest of them settled down. And that was kind of like the pre-entertainment as people were filing in. Um, what a crowd they had, by the way. People still a line wrapping around the facility after start time just to get people in. It was pretty incredible. Um, and another thing, shout out to Citrus County Speedway for setting expectations. They made a post on their Facebook page and they said, hey, please come prepared today, cash only, blah, 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 their normal stuff. And they said, be patient. We have three or four people working the tickets. It, there's going to be a line. There's going to be a lot of people here. Come early if you're worried about getting in and good, getting a good seat. They said, you know, the people are going to work to get you in as fast as we can. Be patient with our, our concessions workers because there's only a few people that are, you know, it's hard to work in concession stand and get consistent people. So there's only X amount of people that can even work the concession stand. So be patient with them. Be patient with the beer people. Be patient with the people around you. There's going to be a lot of people here. They set the expectations so that if you got stuck in a line, you should have already known that you were taking the risk of getting stuck in this line and missing races. If you went to get a hot dog or a beer, you might miss something. And they set those expectations, and I think that's great. Very, very well done 
by the facility to set those expectations so that people knew what they were coming into when they got here. Because it's a different crowd. You've got your purest race fans in there for sure. you got the people that come every week no matter what. And then you got a bunch of outsiders that are like, oh yeah, we're going to the demo derby. Woohoo! But anyways, back to the back to the Ford Outlaws here. Uh, what a race between uh, Braden Boardman in the three, Thomas Pete in the six, and Jonathan Wallace. Uh, one caution early on, a couple of spins here and there throughout the race, but only one yellow flag and a 40-lapper. And again, three drivers within two seconds of each other at the finish. Um, one... One driver, Thomas Pete, just half a second off of Braden Boardman, who did get the win. Jonathan Wallace got to the back bumper of the three numerous times, and they were pushing each other. They were using those chrome horns or those big bumper bars, if you will. Jonathan was was beating his back bumper in, and he said the handling went away. I got to interview him at the end, and he said his handling started going away. Thomas Pete was in the mix. They tried like hell to get by Braden Boardman, and nobody could do it. So Braden Boardman picks up the big win in the Ford Outlaw feature, one of the biggest races of the year for them. Uh, Boardman the winner, Thomas Pete second, Jonathan Wallace third, Eric Sharon came all the way back, did not finish his heat race, but he came back for fourth, Sean Osteen was fifth, Clint Hicks sixth, Jimmy Frazier in the 81 was seventh, Keith Zavrell was eighth, uh, Mike Veltman ninth, and Sean Moore finishing out the top ten. Well, I mean, what a great turnout. We saw a lot of the Ford Outlaws run multiple times in some of the other events. Uh, they also ran the Ford Outlaw figure eights which was your pretty pretty much your typical event. But this one, this one even had a close finish. And I don't have the live timing and scoring to tell you just how close it was, but I'm trying to rem- remember back here. I know that there was a battle between the eventual winner, Sean Tenekosov, in the 05. And I, I think it was, I'm trying to look at the, the results here. I'm trying to remember, um, oh goodness, I can't remember who was up front at the time, but there, there, it was, it was, yeah, okay, it was the 95 of Eric Sharon, I believe. Uh, there's so much happened on this night, I'm trying to put it all together here, live on this podcast, but uh, Sean Senekosov got the win in the figure eight, and it was so close, there was such good racing, I think he and Eric Sharon got into it with a couple to go, and uh, Sean Senekosov, it looked like he wheeled this car out of the forest before coming to race tonight, still had the, the stock bumper on it and everything, uh, he gets the win in the figure eights over Chucky Hearn, Eric Sharon was third, Travis Nichols and Michael Ottenreith in the 32. Your top five. And hey, I'm glad I got to be there for this because I got to learn how to say all these people's names. So definitely uh, definitely going to help with around the state moving forward. Um, just to, It was a spectacular race. I, I've never seen, like even the figure eight races, and, and no, there was no big wrecks in the intersection or anything like that, but the action up front, the racing stood out to me as being spectacular. So uh, that was the Ford Outlaw race. Let's look at some of these other results. We'll talk about the school bus figure eights real quick. 15 buses took the start, and this race was wild. Um, Jody Henley in the one had the fastest bus. And like I mentioned earlier, I I, I made sure to mention this to the crowd uh, when we started. I said, hey, that infield is really rough. If somebody gets in there, it's going to be treacherous. And sure enough, Jody Henley in the one bus was leading uh, for much of the race. He got in the infield, bounced around, and ended up tipping his bus over. So there was no intersection crash. But he got in the infield and flipped himself out of the lead. So it was pretty pretty spectacular. And, and, and it made me look smart for checking out the racetrack before starting to call the race. Because I just I, I walked across it. I'm like, man, this is rough. And sure enough, it was. There was another big wreck. Um, I can't remember who it was. But there was a bus that had come to rest. It looked like in a safe position outside of the intersection. But one bus got off track, got th- bouncing through that infield, and smashed into him hard. 
and they had to stop the race and move the buses because if somebody else hit them, they were going to hit the light pole and take down the electrical, and that was going to be really, really bad. So, uh, I mean, just a wild bus race. Uh, some pretty good racing at the end. Manny Carrera, the winner, over Diego Machado. Kyle Courtney was third. Jonathan Appleby, one of their, uh, I think it's a outlaw pure stock competitor, he was fourth, and James Volk, the top five. I mean, if you can find video, I think uh, I think Jaybird. I, I did get to run, I ran into Jaybird, uh, the driver of the seven, and I think he was recording. So if you can go back and watch this race, I, I it was it was wild. That's for sure. The figure eight uh, buses definitely living up to their hype. Uh, some of the other races that went on, there was a chain car race uh, that started. Uh, about nine vehicles, so that was pretty entertaining. There was a Gremlin that was out there. There was a Suburban. There was a Camaro out there that, at one point that got all torn up, like a stock Camaro that somebody actually drove to the Speedway to compete with. Just some wild stuff. You never know what you're going to get at these events. Uh, Kyle Case and Jimmy Frazier were the winners of the chain race over Sean Osteen and his partner. Um, we had the flagpole race, which, again... Guys, I, when I say the racing stood out more than just the wrecks, I mean, the wrecks were plenty. Um, there was no shortage of that. But some of the racing and the close battles, um, in in the, the flagpole race, Michael Ottenreif leading with just a couple to go. Here comes the 47X. And again, drivers move around from car to car. And sometimes who you think is in the car isn't in the car. We had no idea who was in the 47. So naturally... He would come out of nowhere on the last couple of laps. I think it was a lap or two to go and take the lead. Him and Austin are like, we we think we know who everybody is. That's a, it looks like a Keith Stavrel car, but is it Daniel Webster? Is it Rebecca Catalari winning or uh, driving again? Who is in that car? We didn't know, and nobody knew for sure. If you go to the results for Citrus, it is blank. There is no competitor listed on the winner of this race, and he won it by less than half a second over Michael Ottenreith. And climbing out of the car. We didn't know who it was until they climbed out. And it was Keith Saverell who got the win in a wild flag. I mean, just a, there was, I mean, all kinds of carnage going on at the flagpole. There were spins, there were wrecks, and a surprise winner, a mystery winner until he climbed out of the car in another close race. I mean, door to door action with a lap and a half to go in a 20 lap flagpole race. That never happens. It's incredible. Incredible. Um, boat and trailer race. That was won by Zach Curtis. Um, I see 16 vehicles that started that event. Uh, Kyle Cruz got DQ'd for just driving around wrecking people, which was highly entertaining. Uh, but they did have to red flag the race to get him off the track. But, uh, Zach Curtis was the winner over, I believe Jacob Smalley was driving the 82, not James Herb. That was James's car. And me and Austin the whole time were playing it up because that was a close race until the very end. Um, so Zach Curtis wins the Enduro and the boat car race, or boat trailer race. So Zach made out nicely, as, as you'll hear. Just wait till he tells you how much money he's made with this car. And then you'll get an idea why he runs Enduros so much and not, you know, moving up to Sportsman or Superstocks or something. Um, just a, a wild event here. There was a demolition derby, of course, at the end of the night. Jeff Hoffman, the winner of that in the 72. Uh, that thing, man, that car, when it pulled into the pit area, I looked at it and said, that thing doesn't have a rear end. They literally took the C-post and welded it to the frame because there was no trunk area. It had been smashed up before, and somehow it still won. Uh, at one point, a car backed up and almost went into the pond. At one point, somebody hit somebody up against a, a barrier and almost put it on its side. Uh, um, we almost lost Tyler Sontag in this. The the tra- It was like uh, Bowman Gray we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And... Um, 
or they just allow people to have free range of the track. And <laughs> they did that here. It was pretty much use the track, and they had the flagman and the photographer, Tyler Sontag, uh, standing at the start-finish line. Of course, you know, Tyler's in a scooter and scoots around. And at, at one point, the drivers got so aggressive, they were up on the front straight, of course, trying to keep it in front of the fans. Uh, but there were human beings down there that almost got run over. And there was a very, there was two very, very tense moments. At one point, Tyler, man, he almost got hit. And that would have been really, really bad. Uh, I, I know he was changing his underwear after that. Um, and then one of the safety vehicles came out and it almost got hit a couple minutes later. Um, I, I just say, if you're going to give your demo derby competitors full track, then there needs to be no human beings in anywhere close vicinity to the cars because when those guys put the helmets on and they're trying to hit each other and you know if you're on the road trying to get a full view of what's around you is often sketchy that's why we use our mirrors right um so just imagine being in a race where you have you know five six other guys coming at you trying to hit you at any moment you never know if you get discombobulated you get spun around turn around you lose track of where you are so you're just going around I think that was the only thing I didn't like about this event was was the people being down there and the potential injury or or bad situation that thankfully was avoided. I mean, it was real close, guys. And, and at one point when they almost hit Tyler, it's not like they were going fast, but, I mean, you, you knock him off his scooter, pin him against the wall, or, or accidentally run him over, he's helpless. There's nothing he can do. And uh, Tyler's a good buddy of ours, and uh, <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't get hit. I, there was a moment where I was just like, no, 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 not Tyler. Oh, God, oh, God, you know. Uh, it's one of those butt clincher moments, and I'm glad nobody got hurt. So, uh, just a, a wild event, and you know, I expect to come on here and, and talk about more super stock and bomber stuff. And here I am doing a, a 20 minute, 25 minute segment on on a on a you know night of carnage event. But man, I'm telling you, definitely worth the drive over there, worth the experience. So thankful to I've uh, been able to call a race at Citrus with Austin. I'd love to love to do a normal night with Austin one of these nights. Uh, you know. Uh, if we rain out or Citrus has another event going on, um, you know, I, th- I think I did an all right enough job that they'll have me back and uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Would love to go back and call some races sometime. And I'm sure you'll hear Austin with me, uh, at, at New Smyrna from time to time. So all in all, a great event. Thank you to Citrus County Speedway in Austin for having me. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, Frank and Holly came out as well. I know they enjoyed the event, got to talk to them for a little bit. So great job. Great job by all the competitors and Citrus County Speedway for putting on a great event. So now we'll go ahead and uh, we'll transition to the interview. We'll hear from Zach Curtis, the man who uh, stood out and had a great night. We'll learn a little bit more about Zach, the race car driver. All right, on the Racing with Ryan hotline today, we have enduro driver extraordinaire, Mr. Zach Curtis. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. How you doing, man? Doing good. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, Pretty wild weekend you had over at Citrus County this weekend. You won yet another Enduro over there. I mean, a lot of people pick you as the favorite wherever you show up, but uh, it th- this weekend you you really had to work for it, man. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little tough. We we went to go out to the you know start out out front as uh, as we always try to do because you know I mean there's I don't know how many cars we had that weekend. Uh, I don't know 50, 60 cars and. We didn't get so lucky. They made us send us to the rear. We had to come all the way from the back and uh, <laughs> tried to tried to work our way. We got we got to the front. I think in the first segment. I think I ended up winning the first segment. And uh, yeah, it came down pretty crazy with uh, I think 
six or seven laps to go. I was running second behind the leader and, uh, you know, me and him collected and he's a good buddy of mine, but, uh, you know, we ended up getting past him and ended up picking up the win. So it worked out good for us. Yeah. I got to say that's one of the best Enduros I've ever seen as far as like actual racing goes. There's plenty of crashes and spins and stuff. I mean, like you said, there's 50, 60 cars out there. So it got, it got chaotic at times, but I don't think I've seen an Enduro come down to two or three guys racing so close together at the end, especially after they switch the track up, make you do the kidney bean thing there at the end. I mean, I did not expect that race to be that close. Did you? No, no, I didn't. I mean, I, I knew it was going to be close with, with, you know, some of the good drivers with Jim. I know, uh, William Hyman, he didn't, he didn't show up. He had some troubles going on. And, uh, but when I seen, you know, I seen Jim, which we're buddies and we're parked right next to each other. I said, well, it's going to come down to, you know, I'm, I'm hoping me or him. And, uh, and that's what it was. And I think we ended up, I don't know how many cars we had on the lead lap, but the last couple of Enduros, it only came down to, you know, one or two cars on the lead lap. And, and yeah, this one was definitely, definitely got a little hairy there towards the end. Yeah. I mean, normally you see one guy kind of establish himself as the dominant car. And unless he has a tire go down and gets caught up in a wreck, it's pretty much over. I mean, this one, I mean, me and Austin up there in, in the booth, we were looking at each other like, this is insane. I mean, you know, there, there was that contact uh, towards the end there, which, uh, man, I, I've never seen you so dejected in victory lane. Like, I, I could tell that it was definitely a, a mistake, and you guys were just ra- a racing deal, I guess you could say, and you guys were just racing for it. I mean, I know it's a big deal to win these things, and uh, but I could tell that uh, you, you weren't happy about the the way it went down. What uh, what happened between you and Jim over there? Yeah, we were just, uh, I was disappointed because I knew that, that he was going to be mad, you know, saying that, I mean, you know, everything under the sun of of what happened. And uh, it just, you know, I mean, it came down to it. We were going through the water there. They they, they wet the track uh, and turned forward and they mm-hmm. put soap down once they started the chicane. And I mean, that makes it such, you know, so much more of a challenge as that. And we came through, he was, he was uh, behind the lap car trying to, looked at me like he was going to go high. So I went on the inside of him, got to his door and, uh, and he seen that, that, you know, the lap car was going high cause they're pushing through the water. And, uh, so he went to shoot low and ran into me and we collected. And I mean, it was, it, it all shows from there. I mean, luckily at that moment, you guys didn't both wreck, you know, it could have been a lot worse for both of you. Cause uh, like you said, I think there's still a couple of guys at least, uh, on the same lap or maybe a lap down that, that could have come back around and, and stolen the thing. So, I mean, I guess it worked out in both of your favors, but I mean, I know there was contact at the end, but that, that's what you want to see, and you don't typically see in in enduro racing. You see a bunch of wrecks and, and guys going crazy, and then the field will thin out. You don't normally see like door to door battles for the win with just a couple to go. So I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah, and that's and that's also what it came down to is uh, you know I tried to explain to him is you know we had a uh, third place. I could see in my mirror. I mean, he was literally right behind me. You know. <laughs> pretty much touched my bumper so i said you know it's coming down to i don't know i think we we had seven or ten laps somewhere in there to go and i you know if, if we don't do something you know if we both spin out i mean it's going to come down to the other guy winning and which i know we can't win all these races but it sure would be nice right and you know i know you want to get out there and, and race your buddy clean and and you know i know you weren't trying to take him out but you don't want to be so nice to him to where somebody else comes up and, and beats you both and then you both look like fools. So I, I, I know he wasn't happy and, and hopefully hopefully you guys have had a chance to talk and things have cooled down. Yeah, we uh 
we talked uh we talked this week and uh we worked everything out so everything's good to go because like i said i i mean for one that's that's not it's not the way i drive and you know for two i definitely don't do it to my friends so yeah yeah i mean we're all going to make contact with somebody out on the racetrack eventually in our careers but uh you know the the thing that was that was interesting to me is um after the race was over and obviously we, we saw the contact so we we knew what had transpired but we me and austin were walking to victory lane which i didn't realize how long that takes at citrus to go all the way down the stairs and fight through the line of people and there was a crap ton of people there and then by the time we got out to the track he'd already come by and expressed his displeasure and and i could i got there just in time to tell that something had happened i didn't really know i just kind of caught you 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 debriefing there for a moment before i interviewed you to to realize that something had transpired so um you know it was just it's one of those things like wow we're, we're really getting heated with these enduro races and people think they're joke races but people take them seriously oh yeah i mean it's it, i mean it comes down to big money for might just be junkyard cars but i mean you know just that race alone was a thousand dollars i mean it it pays pretty much more than any street stock race you know right. any normal race they put on and and i mean those cars you got to buy you know six five six hundred dollars worth of tires you know every week whenever you can get them and uh this comes down to you know <laughs> i mean they're just junkyard cars but it, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of money on the line yeah they they pay decent for what they are and obviously not your first enduro win you won the bad bunny this year and i, I feel like anytime i show up at an enduro style event and you're there you're I mean, you're either winning the thing or you're right up in there unless something crazy happens. But, uh, I, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned the the costs and stuff because when I first got into the Florida racing scene and I, I knew you were a very good driver and, and you know, I saw you at all these crazy events and I'm like, why is that guy not in a street stock? Why is he not moving up to sportsmen, to late models? But you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I believe it's just what you said. These cars that relatively don't cost a ton of money you can go buy one rather cheap and take it to multiple events and win good money i feel like you're making more money than anybody else out there in florida racing with what you're doing right now is that true yeah i mean it it is that's that's what it all comes down to i mean i would i'd love to drive a sportsman or a street stock and and i have in the past uh i've drove a street stock you know pro truck but i mean what it comes down to is just the cost of it and and I don't really, you know, I don't really have the the money to uh, to afford that kind of stuff. So that's why I said this car I got now. I mean, I I think I I found the receipt. I bought it from Copart, and I think I I paid eight hundred and eight hundred and you know change for mm-hmm. it. And uh, and roughly the cars made me almost thirty thousand dollars. Wow! You know, in, in, in two years. See, now you found out how to make an actual investment in racing and make it work for you. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's never really possible when it comes to racing. Uh, and you know, that's why when, when people talk crap about the enduros or the crash rama type events, I'm just like they're fun and people can go out and buy a cheap car and go have fun. I get criticism because I'll really hype up the the bad bunnies or the armadillos. A because I'm trying to make the event worthwhile for everybody, and B you can get your neighbor down the street to get a car and come out there for this event where you're not going to get somebody to go build the sportsman in two weeks to come out to an event. So you can really get people involved and then hopefully they catch the bug and, and continue racing, whether it be enduros or whether they start moving up the ladder. I've seen, I've seen it happen both ways. Um, I, I, I did want to ask you, cause you did mention you've, you've driven pro trucks, you've driven street stocks, you've, you've done the enduro thing. What is your favorite kind of car to drive? I mean, honestly, I, 
I think it's the Enduros because, you know, when it, when it comes down to, I think the highest, you know, the highest number of cars I've ever started with is exactly a hundred cars. And I mean, it is, it is just a rush to be put out on a three eighths mile track or a quarter mile track or whatever size track it is with a hundred cars out there. I mean, just the adrenaline rush, it's, it's insane (laughs) when you have that many cars, you're trying to keep your nose clean and trying to go in and out of traffic. It's, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like driving down I four at five o'clock and, uh, you know, if you're going a hundred miles an hour and everybody else is going 20. I, and they are fun to watch, man. I've always been a fan of these kind of events. When I was little, um, I was up at my dad's and saw on the schedule next week, there was an enduro. And I asked him, what's an enduro? And my dad goes, it's hard to watch. And he wouldn't, he didn't explain it to me. And I saw it for the first time the next week. And it was just like the most spectacular thing. I mean, hundreds of cars at a time, you know, two and three wide guys crashing everywhere, roadblocks, um, you know, drivers can never let their guard down. I think that's what's most interesting to me. Like even at New Smyrna where we don't get a whole bunch of cars, like anything can happen at any time. Somebody can spin out and collect you. You can blow a tire. Uh, the the car could go kaput. I mean, you had, you had one of the bad bunnies in the bag and then your car blew up. So anything can happen at any time. And I think that's what makes those races very exciting. Yeah, no, it most definitely does. And that's, that's what I do. You know, I know it's, I know it's just enduro racing again, you know, it's, it's cheap fun, but that's, that's what I always try to do as well as, you know, I try to, I try to stay on top of my car. I mean, it sounds funny, but change the oil. I mean, you know, broken motor mount here, uh, the front wheel drive cars now, you know, CV axles, just trying to make sure everything's good. So, you know, I can make the full race. Cause right. that's what, that's what it comes down to at the end. You got to be there. Yeah, I mean, if you don't take care of it and it's been through a couple of wars, then, you know, it has the opportunity to fall apart on you and then it takes you out and then then you're not having fun. So, I mean, it's great to hear that with this kind of racing, you you are having fun. And I know you've done all kinds of stuff. So it's cool to hear that, you know, Zach Curtis actually really does enjoy this Enduro stuff and that's why he keeps doing it. Um, so I got to ask, what got you into racing? How did How did you get your start in all this? Man, let me think here. Uh, I think I was uh, I was about eight or nine years old, and uh, you know, me, and my dad, my brother, we were at uh, Orlando Speed World when they used to do the Friday night racing. Mm-hmm. So way back when, and uh, they had a they had a class called a Junior Stock, eight to eleven and twelve to fifteen. And I was uh, I was eight or nine years old at the time, and you know, I told my dad, I said, "Man, I want to get into that." My dad drag raced, and and. You know, he said he would get me into drag racing and stuff, and I just didn't really like it because it was just a straight line and yeah. no disrespect to drag racing. I know there's a lot more to it than holding the wheel and going straight, but I just, you know, I, I just wasn't into it. I, I like the circle track racing, and sure enough, we uh, we went out and found a car. It's a uh, 87 Chevy Chevette, and uh, I still have it till this day. That's an amazing <laughs> car, too. Yeah, I, Love I, those I, things. I, I refuse to sell it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's rotten away in my backyard and that was, that was my first car and my, my first race out. I think we, we ended up finishing second and my second race out, I won. And, uh, in the third race, I think <laughs> I got a little cocky and, uh, I, I ran into the wall. So I had my first wreck on my third race. So you got the, you got all the experience, the highs and lows really quick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was definitely a, it was definitely a, <laughs> a rude awakening. <laughs> See, it's interesting to hear that you like actually started with a type of stock car because a lot of kids these days are Legends cars or quarter midgets or Bandoleros or something like that. And so I didn't know if that's where you came up or not. So interesting to hear you're just kind of, you've always been kind of a stock car guy. Yeah. 
that's uh we we always talked about trying to get into go-karts and stuff like that but i think i mean it was just the uh the spark of seeing those you know the little little beater cars out there and i mean pretty much what it came down to with that it was it was it was cheap fun also and Mm -hmm. you know it was obviously it was just a trophy class at the time and i was so young i didn't care about the money because my dad was paying for it right right and the trophy to you is awesome at that point Oh yeah, yeah. I still got, I still got a lot of them. I, I gave some of them away, but I got a lot of, a lot of plastic. <laughs> well, you win a lot of races, so I'm sure at some point you got to get rid and thin some of those out. But uh, you know, you've had a very successful career, and I've watched you win a lot of things, and from bomber cars to enduros, and you know, I know you've, you've had good runs with the street stocks, and even those, uh, those more advanced compact cars, those compact series that they've run, you've done well with those as well. Um, I got to ask you, why the number 63? Every time I've seen you race, you've been in a 63. What is the significance there? 63, uh, I picked it because that is the year that my dad was born. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how I figured that out, but <laughs> I guess I must have asked him or something. And uh, my brother, my brother's number was 42 because uh, I believe my dad was 42 when, when we started racing, if, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, 63 is because... That's the year he was born, and it's stuck with me ever since. And I, I mean, I didn't, I haven't seen too many cars with with the number sixty three as well, which that doesn't bother me. But whenever we go to a track, I try to make sure I register first. So you know, so you I'm get to be sixty three. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a number that is unique. Like you said, not a lot of people race it, but people in Florida associate that number with you. I, I believe they see a sixty three show up, and and I know there's been a few people that try to rattle your cage and try to be sixty three to kind of throw you off a little bit, and. I just, um, you know, for some people, a number is very significant. For others, it's just like we talked to Chris Rummel a few weeks ago, and he's just like, I just kind of picked a number that nobody uses a lot. So wanted to uh, wanted to get your story on that. And um, also wanted to ask, what what are the plans for Zach Curtis for the rest of the year? Any other big races coming up? Yeah, we got, a, we got one coming up, I believe, July 2nd at a 417 Southern Speedway. We're going to go down there. I think that one it's like a fifteen hundred dollar enduro it's around 100 laps or something and then they have uh they have a big thirty five hundred dollar to win at hendry county uh we're gonna we're gonna try to they got a big ten thousand dollar to win up up north somewhere i don't know where it is but we may try to we may try to go up there you know because we've uh the furthest i've ever gone is lake erie pennsylvania uh chuck rush he races oh, yeah. at new Smyrna. yep and he uh he invited me to come up there and uh, so <laughs> we took we took the hall. We brought three cars up there, and we dominated. We got first and second, and uh, almost had third, but ended up having a flat tire on the other car with uh, like five laps to go. And so he didn't invite you back this year because I know he's up there uh, now working on his Crasherama stuff. And he's like, "Nope, nope, you can't come anymore because you whooped their ass last time." <laughs> yeah, I seen I seen he just ran an event, and uh, he didn't he didn't give me a phone call. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny how that works, right? Chuck's a good guy, yeah. though. Oh yeah. Well, I know uh, hopefully we see you for the Armadillo deal at, at New Smyrna. But, again, if you go to an Enduro in Florida, nine times out of ten, you're going to see Zach Curtis there in, in the 63 car. And if you don't know who to root for or who to pick to impress your friends, I mean, the, putting your money on Zach Curtis is not a bad idea. He's always in the thick of things. And uh, speaking of being in the thick of things, what is the worst crash you've ever been in in one of these Enduros? Uh, the worst crash that I've ever been in, I think it's probably – Probably the the recent one we just had at that dirt track where uh, I had a couple guys try to gang up on me and they I mean I, I don't think they really care for me too much because you know of the outcome that that we do at every track that we go to but uh, 
that was probably the worst one and it's actually with the same car that i still have it uh it, it bent the whole front subframe and the rear subframe and we, luckily i've got a i've got two other junk cars in the back and so we just started pulling parts off because you know i was going to retire the car and i said you know what just just because that's what they want they want me they, they want to tear my car up so i can't bring this one back I, yeah I went and i went and you know spent a little extra time on uh, on fixing it because i said yeah, i'm gonna keep running this thing and, until it doesn't move anymore you know that backfired on those guys because you're still out there winning with the thing and Heck, you won you won two races this past weekend. You won the Enduro, and then you survived that wild boat and trailer race, and hang on to win that thing too. So you had a real good night on Saturday. Yeah, we we ended up we ended up getting really lucky with that boat race. Uh, they were of, aiming for you, Zach. On, a lot of dirt on the track from the from the uh, flagpole guys and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, you know, my brother in law, his car, I think he broke a radiator, and uh, you know, Jim was nice enough to let him use his car, and because uh, he brought a he brought a boat to use yep. and uh, we came down. He took the, he took the lead from me, I think on lap three or four. And uh, I was struggling to catch him cause that dirt, I could, I, I mean, I couldn't catch traction at all. Just spinning the tires, me and him, we bumped a couple times and uh, I was, uh, I was lucky enough to get back around him and me and him, we ended up finishing first and second. So we took the money home for that. Yeah. I, I know the whole time watching that thing, we thought it was Jim in that car and we're like, Oh, remember what just happened in the Enduro. But you know, Jim turned over the keys, and then you you and your buddy end up with a one-two finish. It's funny how that that all worked itself out at the end of the day. And you know, I know you've been in plenty heat of the moment type situations, but I think once everything cools down, as a racing community, we can all get together and and look back at these things and, and just kind of enjoy them. And and it'll it'll be something that you and Jim will talk about. And and next time, if a couple laps to go in a race, and Jim's on your back bumper, he'll probably let you know he's there and maybe return the favor. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, we, we, we talked about that already and, and I know it, uh, you know, we, we try to give each other room and respect each other. But again, when it's coming down to the last couple laps, I mean, that's, you know, he, he agreed with me as uh, much as he didn't want to, yeah. uh, that that's what it comes down to. I mean, we're, we're racing hard and we're very competitive. All, you know, all of us, me, William, Jim, Jacob, I mean, <laughs> we all want to go out there and win. That's what it's about. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, hopefully everybody's out there doing this for fun, but man, it, it's so much more fun and more enjoyable and more rewarding when you win. Cause at the end of the day, that's what racing's all about. We all want to win. So, and, uh, you know, like I've said in this interview many times, you're always a, a threat in these enduro cars and man, I, I'm telling you, if somebody has a seat open and wants to give Zach a, a sportsman ride or something bigger, I, I'm sure you'd take it, wouldn't you? Oh, most definitely. Just because uh, just because I'm driving a crash car doesn't mean I crash them either. Because that's right, I, I, <laughs> that's, dude. I, that's I hardly the last ever thing that see. I, do is wreck I hardly ever see you like involved in a wreck. I mean, you're you're in these enduro things where there's sometimes nowhere to go, so you might rip the the nose off or get some dings and dents in the car. But I don't think I've ever seen you total a race car. Yeah, no, we've been uh, we've been very fortunate. I think uh, actually, I don't know if you're working in New at the time and. Uh, I, I guess that probably would have to be the worst wreck now that I think about it. I had a little four-cylinder Saturn, and, uh, you know, it came down to the last couple laps in a race, and I ended up getting right reared by a, uh, by a big Monte Carlo, and I was in a little plastic Saturn. Mm-hmm. And, man, that took me for a ride going into turn three at New Smyrna, which were, you know, and those little cars were going almost 90 miles an hour, and that was <laughs> that was probably the worst one now that I think about it. Was that when you were in the, the, the throwback for Donati or the memorial to Donati, the nine machine? 
Yep, okay. absolutely. I think I remember that hearing about this, and that was a big – that was right before my time, either a year or two before I started working there. But I did hear about that, and that sounded like a wicked ride. So, um, you know, I guess you could you could put that one up there with, with having guys gang up on you and trying to take you out in, in one of those enduro races. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, Zach, uh, one last question before we let you go. I, I've noticed that you're kind of the, the guy who goes out Whatever the rules may be and whatever they try to do to hold you back, you always go out and you find, like, the perfect car for whatever the event is. Like, right now, in the Enduros, everybody wants the Acuras. Uh, for a long time in the Bombers, everybody wanted the Saturns because you went out there and, and, and found the Saturns and found how to make them work. You're kind of the you're, – you're the Pied Piper, if you will. Um, how do you figure out all these different kinds of cars to make them work perfectly? I feel like uh... – <laughs> what it comes down to is I do, I do a lot of research. I, you know, every, <laughs> I, every night when I go to bed, you know, I'll sit there and lay in bed and I'll see if an enduro race is coming up and I'll read the rules on it. And I'll, I mean, I read it, read it with a fine tooth comb. Cause I want to find any, any little thing that I can maybe try to get away with, you know, to, to have an advantage because that's what it, that's what it comes down to as well as, you know, you want to, I want to have the best car I can mm-hmm. have. And, uh, I do a lot of research that, you know, like, New Smyrna, they they switched the rules for the uh, for the Bad Bunny race, and and it and it kind of sucked because I had a I had a car that was very dominant, and like he said, uh, I, I believe the power steering pulley broke on it with ten laps to go leading the thing, and yep. so I couldn't couldn't use that car, and you know I, I said, well, let me see what the next best thing's going to be, and uh, ended up being that Cadillac, and that thing, believe it or not, was not that fast, but it was I mean it was just very consistent, and it got the job done because it it sure know, did. I believe we. We led pretty much the whole race, and that's what it took. Well, that that's my whole point with with, you know, people like, oh, we got to do something with the rules to keep it competitive. I'm I'm telling you, anybody that knows what they're doing and is smart with cars and does their research, like you just said, that was the key word. They're gonna find whatever the rules may be. They're gonna find the perfect car, and if they have experience and they're a good driver, they're gonna come out and show everybody how to get around there. And I feel like that's. That's what you do. So like all this, you know, oh, we want to limit cars. I, I think that's a bad idea. I think you should be getting as many cars as you want. Let everybody come have fun. And those who know what to do and know what to look for and, you know, it, it proves that it's not just crash car racing. There's a lot that goes into this. So I did want to pick your brain there. I've always found it interesting that Zach Curtis comes out with something different than the next week everybody else has them too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also hoping, you know, when it, when it comes down to the, the armadillo race because – I will be at that one. I, I I did forget. I guess it's a little bit further away, so I was my uh, my calendar in my head wasn't wasn't quite there. But right, who's thinking know, about hoping, September? Um, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm hoping hoping we can come up with a with a better solution with that. You know, open up the rules a little bit, so maybe we can get you know a lot of the citrus cars that come over and uh, try to put on a show. Because you know, I, I mean, I want there to be 60, 70, 80 cars because it, it makes it a lot more fun for exactly. all of us. You know, exactly. And it, I, it makes it makes it much more of a challenge. I talked to a few of the guys while I was there on Saturday, and they're like, "Yeah, we'd we'd love to be able to come if they if they do open up the rules, because we're not going to go buy a brand new car for it, but maybe we'll drag this crap box with us." So, um, and I think that's what enduros and, and events like that are all about. It should be, you know, within reason, open things up, let people come out and have a good time. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, and that's what it comes down to is, you know, it's, you know, I'd say about eighty to ninety percent of the people out there that are doing the enduro racing, like you know, that Citrus puts on is. You know, Cameron, he, he lets it so, you know, the drivers can get in for free and it yeah. makes it a lot more affordable for them. And 
all those people, they're just going out there to have a good time. They're not going out to win. And, and I mean, that's that's really what it is all about, you know, just, just having fun. I agree, man. That's, I mean, at this level of racing that we're at, if, if you're not having fun doing it, I mean, there's no point. So I'm glad you brought that up too. And um, again, before we let you go here, I want to give you an opportunity. If you have anybody you'd like to thank, any sponsors or anybody that's helped you out along the way, go ahead and give them a sh- shout out here. Yeah, I got to thank uh, Brian and Tammy Farmery at Farmery's Garage. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet them through my buddy Chris Rummel, who you were just talking about. And mm-hmm. uh, they helped me buy uh, tires. They bought a radiator, control arms. I mean, any any parts that I need, they helped me out. And I'm just very, very thankful for that. And I uh, also got to thank Casey Caudell with uh, C3 Skids and Ready, Set, Seal, because uh, he also helps me out with parts for the car or anything that I need for it. So couldn't do it without them. All my friends and family, my girlfriend for uh, letting me let me do this, and uh, I guess that's about it. Very good, and Zach, congratulations again on a successful and fun night over at Citrus, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about the next one. Maybe at uh, maybe at four seventeen, we'll we'll follow up with you, see how you do over there, and then we'll, we'll definitely see you in September on the big track here. But uh, thank you again for taking some time to come on the show, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, Ryan, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Zach Curtis calling in with the interview. Zach, thank you again very, very much. This week's episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast is brought to you by our anchor sponsor, American Auto, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Give them a call, 386-428-1941 for all your automotive and tire needs. They have the best prices and the best service. They will, of course, take care of you. 34 years in business for American Auto. Been doing it right for a long, long time. Um, And you can check them out on the web, AmericanAutoNSB.com. They have uh, they've been on board with us for a long time, and they will be supporting this show for the uh, foreseeable future. So again, if you need anything done for your vehicle, whether it be tires, whether it be under the hood, check them out. They offer in-house financing, you can shop for wheels, tires, all kinds of great stuff. Heck, if, if your ride's running a little rough, you know, you're driving along the beach and hitting all those potholes, they will balance your wheels as well. Whatever you need done, stop by American Auto and let them know the Racing with Ryan podcast sent you. Also, this week's episode brought to you by 124 Welding and Fabrication. For all your welding and fab needs, get with Ron D'Alessandro at 124 Welding and Fabrication. And uh, check out his Etsy shop. Go to Etsy and search 124 Welding and Fab. It'll pop right up. All kinds of great metalworking available. Uh, Like we say every week, makes great gifts. Uh, I can attest to that because we bought a piece to give to my sister. Very unique uh, craft that, that Ron had made the metalworking side of his business and uh you know it was one of the most sentimental special gifts that we were able to give last holiday season so keep that in mind uh or hey even something for the man cave or the house just in general great decorations great unique gifts uh he's got everything from race cars to to plants to you know outdoor stuff to man cave type stuff check it out ron d'alessandro's etsy shop 124 welding and fabrication we also thank Never Give Up. Of course, that is Andy Morrison's company. does parts delivery. Um, you know, he's in conjunction with, with William Hyman and Shane Satoris and all those guys. And, of course, you see Andy scooting around the racetrack pretty much every week supporting that bomber division. Uh, he wasn't too happy with the bomber A and B. Well, the bomber A's last week. But um, Never Give Up Racing, if you need anything delivered, get with Andy Morrison. Never Give Up. Check him out. 
you can't uh, you, you can't miss him. I'm sure most of you know him by now, and you know he's come on board to support the show. So Andy, thank you. And uh, like I always say, if you see Andy in the pits, make sure you give him a wave, say hello, make his day. Um, we also thank on this week's edition of the show, Dustin Higdon and Higdon Racing has come on board to sponsor this show. Uh, of course, things got a little bit wild in the bomber division as we talked about, but Dustin wanted to support the show because he knew we'd be talking about him and all the other action in the bomber division. Hey, if you need a, if you're in the market looking for a race car, uh, he'll help you find one. He'll help you work on it. He's got a little team of, of racers down there in the pit area now. So think about Higdon Racing if you're trying to break into Bomber A, Bomber B, or hey, whatever else you're looking for. Higdon Racing coming on board for this week's show. And uh, of course, we welcome Jeff White Racing once again as a sponsor of this week's episode. Uh, Of course, you see them running the 41 Ashley Holmes Jacks truck, the 41 E-Mod, and occasionally the 41 Big Modified Jeff White Racing. Uh, I think they have bigger plans here for the future and we'll see what's going to happen there but they have signed on and will now be a major sponsor of the show and they'll be sponsoring the truck segments when the trucks race you'll be hearing a lot about them thanks to jeff white racing all right so normally at this point in the show we'll go around the state talk about the other racing but there is no around the state citrus county speedway the only track that really got to race i think there's a couple of dirt tracks that got to race and stuff um, but you know, here we're, we're primarily asphalt focused and that's just because that's where I normally find myself paying attention to, um, some notes for next week's show. We'll be covering, uh, the race at Berlin that was scheduled for last night, got canceled to today. So we, we don't have that to talk about. So we'll cover that next week. And also Thunder Road has their third race of the season. They're uh, racing super modifieds on the high bank quarter mile. That ought to be interesting, and it's uh, race number one of the Myers Triple Crown Flying Tiger Challenge series. Um, and then, they're, of course, they're running the late models, the street stocks, and the road warriors. So a full review of that, and we'll see if Flow Racing's coverage got any better. Uh, we'll talk about all that next week. And we'll do around the state and all the normal stuff. Uh, of course, Pro Late Models coming up at New Smyrna this week. Um, it's the Dynamite Pro Late Model 50, thanks to Stephen Reddit, getting a bunch of dinosaur-themed goodies for the kids. Uh, so we'll have those giveaways, some great racing. The Central Florida Heating and Air Conditioning Incorporated E-Mod 50 also happening along with the Bomber Bees, the Orange, uh, Orange Blossom Woodworks Bomber Bees, um, and a couple other classes here as well. So all of that coming up on next week's show. But there was a cup race this week, so we want to take a moment and cover that. And then Margo's going to join us for a quick segment here at the end so that she keeps her streak of shows going. Um, we're going to go through the top drivers of the season, and we're going to let you know if we thought they've overachieved or underachieved this year based on their expectations. So, And you're going to get different opinions from me and Margo, and that's why I wanted her on this segment. I could sit here and tell you what I think, but I'm going to bounce it off Margo too, and we're going to have fun with that. So... I'll give this show a little bit uh, more depth this week. But let's talk about the Cup Series race at Gateway or Worldwide Technology Raceway in St. Louis. Inaugural Cup race. Of course, they've been running Xfinity and most recently trucks for years. Uh, Cool little racetrack. It's like a flat Darlington. It's like if Martinsville and Darlington had a kid. Darlington, as you know, we talked about earlier this season. Uh, one of my favorite races of the year. It scored an 8.4 on my scorecard. Martinsville scored a 1.4, so it's kind of like, what kind of race are we going to see? And, of course, we did put Gateway on the scorecard. Uh, so let me, let me go ahead and start there since we're looking at it. 
um, as far as the racing overall, I gave it a six. Uh, clean air and track position were king, but we did have some really racy moments. There were some, uh, there was contact. There were incidents, of course. We'll talk about Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott and all that in a minute. Um, excitement, gave it a 10. All the way through, it was a, a great race length, 300 miles. Wasn't too long, wasn't too short. You did have that entertainment going on with, with Chastain. Um, we had some some wrecks and, and some good battles throughout the pack. The finish, I gave it a 10. It was a classic, man. I'm telling you, these finishes this year, I, I wish some of them played out a little differently, but we've had some good ones. Uh, ju- just the, the cat and mouse between rivals Joey Logano and Kyle Busch. Uh, Joey Logano's leading. A restart happens. Kyle Busch takes the lead. Joey Logano is stalking him. He's just working to the inside of him, looking to try to take the lead with with three, four to go. Caution comes out, sets up a green-white checker. Kyle Busch drives it in hard. Logano pulls the slide job, gets back in front. Kyle Busch tries to cross him over. He overdrives. Logano takes the lead back. That back and forth, great finish. Just, I mean, they didn't hit each other. They didn't wreck each other. You couldn't ask for better racing, even if it was tough to pass at gateway this week you still got a finish that was worthwhile and that i gave a 10 lead changes uh looking at the results here officially there were 12 so uh, again not what we really hoped for in a race of course we figured gateway would probably be below 20 just given the style of racing the nature of the racetrack but it only got 12 and on our scorecard that scores a three so that's going to bring it down a little bit uh, but, of course, that is a subjective thing. That is a, a an actual table of lead changes that we use. 12 scores a 3, so it gets a 3. Enjoyment, I gave it a 10. I really enjoyed it. You know, I had a great day out with the family beforehand, came back, watched the race, and just thoroughly enjoyed it. So, gave that a 10. And some people, man, I I just don't I don't understand the continued hate on NASCAR. I understand that it, it went through a lull in the last few years, have been hit, really hit or miss. This year's been more hit than miss. And some people just can't get the politics out of it. They, they can't just see past that and realize that you shouldn't let one person's thoughts that differ from yours deter you from watching the sport as a whole. Um, the new car, I know it looks different. It has a lot of technology. It doesn't, it's not what you think of when, when you think of a stock car, but it has helped the racing. Not every race is going to be just as good as the last one. Hard to follow up Charlotte, um, but it's been good. And I wish people would just, get you know get that old narrative out of their head and start fresh and just try to enjoy it like i had some guy try to tell me that martinsville was a better race than gateway and i said or or some guy said this was gateway was the worst race of the year and i said did you see martinsville he's like yes i watched both races gateway was worse and i'm like how in the hell can you look in the mirror and say that gateway was worse than martinsville but hey whatever everybody has their own thing and then that all ended with him thanking me for my services and volunteering at new smyrna speedway so i let that go anyhow back to gateway overall it scores a 7.8 out of 10 when we average everything together that's a pretty solid score uh same score as kansas so um definitely one of the higher scores right right on par with what we've been scoring most of the races 17.17 out of 10 overall on the season that's with the 1.4 from martinsville so that tells you overall it has been a great year coming up to Sonoma next. But let's uh, let's dive into this race a little bit. Then we'll get uh, Margo on here and we'll finish up the show. Um, yeah. How about uh, Ross Chastain making enemies? He's been aggressive this year. He's been aggressive his whole career. Uh, you go back to Coda. 
where he bumped A.J. Allmendinger and Alex Bowman out of the way at the same time to win. And at that moment, I'm thinking, well, the man was leading, had it maybe slip away going for his first win. He wasn't letting anything stop him. Yeah, aggressive move for sure, but I was all for it. Then at uh, Dover a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, he gets into Martin Truex on the last lap, spins him out of a third-place finish. Martin Truex is mad, but Martin Truex, he's like he's like a gentle grizzly bear. You know, he's, he's mad, but he lets things go and doesn't really retaliate. Nothing's happened there. Uh, nothing happened when he said Logano wasn't going to win the damn war either, and Logano won the damn war a few years ago. So that's just Martin Truex style. Um, he does his speaking on the track. But uh, we've seen some aggressiveness out of Ross here and there. But, man, he, he definitely made contact with Denny Hamlin early in the race, sent Hamlin in the wall, Hamlin multiple laps down, and just a non-factor. Um, however, as Chastain's trying to get around him, Hamlin takes him all the way to the grass and blocks him. And NASCAR gets on the radio and says, all right, all right, you've made your point. Hamlin says, yeah, right. Uh, So we knew that wasn't over. And you know what? Another thing I want to point out, I loved Kenny Wallace in the Fox booth because he goes, "Uh, guys, are we going to talk about what's about to happen on the back straightaway? You got Boyer and Mike Joy and and whoever else, uh, Michael Waltrip, all talking about God knows what. Kenny Wallace is like, hey, guys, guys, look, look on the racetrack. Look what's about to happen. And the Fox cameras cut to Hamlin cutting off uh, Chastain. Thank you, Kenny Wallace, for paying attention. He was a great at stage two with some of the best Fox commentary we've had all season. Thanks to Kenny Wallace, by the way. We need to focus on the damn race. Yeah, there's going to be stuff that happens and stories that we're going to want to tell. But when there's good racing going on, focus on that, please, Fox. We missed too much stuff. But back to the race. Uh, Later on in the race, there's a restart, and uh, the one of Chastain gets into Chase Elliott, spins him out, triggers a multi-car crash. Uh, That actually put Ross Chastain on the damaged vehicle clock because Chase Elliott did damage him on the back bumper. Obviously, there was nothing that was going to harm him, right? But if you remember back to Charlotte, I don't think this was covered very well by Fox. Bubba, Bubba Wallace was parked because he didn't meet minimum speed on the restart coming to the end of the stage because he was saving tires. He didn't get up to minimum speed but was on the crash clock, laps expired. They told him to get off the track. He didn't clear the, the crash violation clock, so he was out. Same thing almost happened to Ross Chastain because on the restart, Chase Elliott takes him up the track. Danny Hamlin chases him up the, the track, and then Hamlin won't let him by. There was three or four laps of Ross Chastain tiptoeing behind Danny Hamlin, looking high, looking low, but going slow, and it almost, he was a lap away from being parked for not meeting minimum speed and not clearing the crash clock. So Hamlin almost took it away from Chastain. But at the end of the day, Ross Chastain, he gets the last laugh because despite all of that and being behind the eight ball for much of the first 200, 250 miles of the race, he comes back and finishes eighth. If I'm Ross Chastain and I've got Hamlin, I get it. You know, Hamlin was mad. I'll let the first thing go. But if I got Hamlin holding me up lap after lap after lap, I'm dumping his ass again, you know? The first thing we're racing, yeah, it was a little over-aggressive. Sure, Hamlin has every right to get back at you, but in my eyes, I think Ross should have dumped him again. And also, a lot of respect for Ross Chastain. He, you can tell he races hard, but he doesn't want to just, like, take people out. So he definitely, uh, he, he owned up to it. So whether, you know, whatever side of the coin you're on, I don't think it, it matters too much because uh, Ross owned up to it. So kudos to him on that. I really respect that. Um, I, I think he's definitely going to find some hardships throughout the season. I think Hamlin will get him back or at least raise him hard a la uh, Hamlin and um, 
Chase Elliott, who are now best of friends as far as the tag team on uh, Ross Chastain goes. i just tell you how, how things evolved in the NASCAR world. You got Clint Boyer running for Michael Waltrip after dissing him. You got Bubba Wallace driving for Danny Hamlin after dissing him. It's just funny how things work out. So, anyways, definitely wild. Definitely uh, provided quite a bit of entertainment. I know some people are going to look at it and say, oh, that just makes NASCAR look dumb. That's what people want to see, man. Uh, people want to see drama. And they got it for sure. And then, of course, uh, got a great finish like we alluded to with uh, Joey Logano and Kyle Busch. Joey Logano picks up his second win of the season. Kyle Busch has another one, in my opinion, slip away. He had another one slip away. He should have two or three wins this year. And the one when he has, he lucked into it because Chase Briscoe did Chase Briscoe things. Um, again, 12 lead changes in the race. I don't think that tells the full story. Uh, we knew it was going to be hard to pass. Uh, this this car uh, does performs very well in the mile and a half. So on the flatter, shorter tracks, if you will, it's a bit tougher. Um, a lot of people are saying take the diffusers off. That might help as, as if like the diffuser was put on there to help spread out the dirty air and make it less effective on the front nose. It's helped, but it's still, I mean, dirty air is still dirty air. Um, I mean, go, go drive a go-kart. If you're racing side by side with somebody, um, you're not going to get as good a lap times as if you have the whole track. It's just dirty air is always going to be dirty air. I think the diffuser might be counterintuitive. It wasn't a problem at Bristol dirt. We took it off there. I think they're going to test at Martinsville uh, to, to work on the short track package a little bit. And you know what? I, I don't think it'd be a bad thing to have a separate short track package. We have a separate restrictor plate package. Um, and right now we're using a one-size-fits-all for pretty much every other race except Bristol Dirt. So I, I don't think it'd be a bad idea to have a short track or a flat, you know, short oval package. Um, uh, road courses are going to be road courses no matter what. I, I think the car will be fine. I, I think Sonoma is going to be a good race going back to the... Uh, the configuration without the carousel, uh, I think that's going to help with the action, give you some more passing points. Um, but still, overall, I, I've, I've enjoyed this NASCAR season. I, I hope that maybe this podcast helping get a, getting a few of you back on board to check out some races. Um, just it, it's it's been good, it's been fun. Um, so let's take a look at the standings real quick. Uh, Chase Elliott, the overall point leader, by nine points over Kyle Busch. Remember, fifteen playoff points on the line for whomever is leading the points at the end of the regular season. 15 races in, so nine races to go uh, before the cutoff. I, I believe, no, that's wrong, right? That's 11 races to go before the cutoff. Man, I suck at math. 11 races to go. Um, we sit at, I believe it's 11 different winners. Let me count that real quick. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Yes, 11 different winners. Um, again, 16 qualify on wins and the points lead. Uh, I don't think we get to 16 winners in 11 races. We'd have to have five more winners, and we're getting to the point now where many of the good drivers have won. But Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex, still looking for a win. Uh, and then you guys, you got guys like Chris Bell, Eric Almirola, Tyler Reddick, who have shown speed that haven't won. And you never know. Still Atlanta, Daytona, and a couple of road courses to come. Could mix things up. Um, I think the biggest surprise out right now is, of course, Kevin Harvick after uh, after a big crash late in the race after his brakes went out. Um, so he's going to have to battle back. I think he needs to win a race and I think he can win a race. So I think we get to 14. No, I think we get to 13 winners. I think two more drivers are going to win. Uh, we're going to st start to see somebody go on a roll here. Uh, four drivers with two wins, Chastain with two, Logano with two, Byron with two, and Hamlin with two. The only thing saving his season right now, he's 19th in overall points. So 
We'll see how all that plays out here in the coming weeks. And um, one final thing here in the truck race at, uh, uh, yeah, truck race at Gateway. Big crash in the last lap. Carson Hosevar spins out, comes down the track, and gets T-bone driver's side by, I believe, Tyler Hill in the five. Um, you've probably heard the audio. He was like, help me, help me. And there's been a lot of criticism on NASCAR's response team. I think they had great response time. They were to the scene as quick as can be. And they focused on the cars down the inside of the racetrack uh, at first with with the five. And there's a couple other guys that spun into it. Um, and I think it's because Carson put his window net down. Mostly, I, I would imagine, out of instinct. Your your first thought is, let me get the window net down and show that I'm okay. Um, but here, here's the thing. If you are hurt and you need direct assistance, don't put your window net down because they'll they'll come to you quicker. So, I, I but I, I think that Carson just in e- either panic or just out of you know out of norm, he he just reached up and unhooked the the window net, and, and that made the the safety team kind of get to the trucks that were in their path first. If that makes sense, they pull up to the scene, they go to the trucks on the bottom, and then they work their way up. And Carson, you know, is yelling, "Hey, help me, help me!" And I guess he's got a broken ankle or a broken foot or something like that. I I haven't seen the official thing, but he is going to try to attempt to race at Sonoma to stay in the points. He's in a playoff position in the truck side of things. Uh, I believe his goal is to start the race and then have Daniel Suarez take over. But of course, you know, whoever starts the race gets the points. So I could see, um, I, I could see Carson for the next couple of weeks starting and having a relief driver and staying in the points. And then when he, when he's sealed up, I think he'll be fine. So, uh, Kind of wasn't, I'm not the biggest Carson Hosevar fan, but I really felt bad for him after uh, Charlotte. And I really, I hate seeing anybody get hurt. It's just a demoralizing thing, especially when you're battling for a championship. So hopefully he's able to start all the races. Um, I know he's going to have Daniel Suarez. Who knows? Daniel Suarez might be able to get him his first career win, a la Eric Almirola and Danny Hamlin a few years ago. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Because trucks are racing Sonoma, Cup is at Sonoma, Xfinity is off. They raced at Portland this weekend in the rain. Um, cool racetrack over there. Not going to lie. Uh, rain races get a bit chaotic. It was messy. Um, but I got to give the Richard Cranium award this week to Jesse Awuji in the 34. Now, what the hell was he doing? He took out the leader under caution, trying to get his lap back or get by the leader or whatever the hell he was thinking he was doing. First of all, I met Jesse Awuji at a, uh, Arca East race a few years ago during driver intros and, uh, just saw him standing there and, and, I wanted to make sure I was saying his name right. And he's like, well, you got it. I got some help from the tower. So it wasn't just like, oh, I was, you know. But uh, I was like, it is a Wooji, right? He's like, yep, yes, sir, you got it. Very nice guy, stand-up guy. I would love to see him do well, but he's just not doing well. He's slow. He's off the pace. He's a, in my opinion, he's a he's a weapon on the racetrack. And uh, he, he definitely, I think he could suit himself running some more Arca East and get up to speed because, uh, when they put Kyle Weatherman in that car, it runs as competitively as a, you know, third tier team is going to run. Uh, hell, I think Kyle Weatherman puts him up into second tier, to be honest with you. And uh, give Emmett Smith his value, man. Emmett's going to be tired of running thirtieth eight laps down every week. But yeah, Jesse Wuji gets the um, Richard Cranium Award for just a lack of awareness and a lack of speed, and just man, he you hate having that guy to pick on, but we don't have Quinn Half anymore, so. He's the new Quinn Half, I guess. And again, I'm not demoralizing his character. I'm just saying, you know, he he needs to get up to speed. That's all. And I think he'd be a great story. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a serviceman. He's a great stand-up personality. Uh, great guy. 
and he'd be great for the sport if he was up to speed. Uh, so anyway, Richard Cranium Award for Jesse Awudu. We'll see who gets it next week. Um, yeah, uh, at, at this point, we're gonna we're gonna switch things over. We'll get Margo here on mic number two, and we're gonna go over the drivers that have run full time this year and see if um, if we think they've exceeded or gone below expectations. It'll be a quick segment, fun way to end the show. And again, thanks to all of our, our sponsors, all of our listeners. And uh, of course, we'll be back. Uh, hopefully, News Smyrna will run this week. But if not, we'll find something to talk about. And we'll be back with you next week. But a fun segment coming up here to end the show. All right. Welcome back to the show. And we welcome in to the second mic, Margo, the super spotter. Margo, welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, good to, good to have you on here. You missed, the, you missed the first half, but we'll do a lightning round real quick with you. <laughs> thought you were going to say good to see you like you don't see me like every 24 hours a day. Every single day, every moment. Um, lightning round. What do you think of citrus with the night of carnage? That's it's not my thing, but I had fun. There you go. That's the perfect way to sum it up. Um, ex or NASCAR at Gateway. What are your thoughts there? Oh yeah, that was fun. What, that was what, fun. What's your take take on the Chastain deal? Oh, with Denny Hamlin. Yeah, I love it. You love it. You love to see. It. I like rivalries. Do you think Hamlin's going to get him back? I think Elliot will before Hamlin does. Okay. All right. Well, that'll be fun to watch. Oh, it. But I, I remember that you asked, you asked about my thoughts on Gateway. My yeah. message to Austin was four wide on lap four. Well, they <laughs> do that on restarts and starts sometimes. Um, as as I stated previously, I thought it was a great race. It, it was an enjoyable race. I think. What did it get graded? Um, since I since I missed the first since half you of missed the show. that segment, uh, I gave it a seven point eight. Oh, what does that put the yearly total up to? Uh, we're up to seven point one seven. So still a C average. Uh, it's a good C average. We, we grade on a curve here, so that's still like a good B, you know. No. It's still very good in my opinion <laughs> because Martinsville's taking it down. You know, when you got all these good yeah. races and a 1.4. Martin's yeah. Nocono. Sure. We'll go with that. Martin's Okono. So what I wanted to do on this this segment, and we'll we'll rock it through this. Um, we're about halfway through the, the season, give or take. Um, I'm going to go over the, the top drivers and points, and I want you to tell me, and we'll, I'll give my opinion, you give your opinion. I wanted to do it this way because we're going to have different opinions, and I think people will enjoy this. Um, I want you to tell me whether you think the driver has met expectations, exceeded expectations, or below expectations. Can I just say below expectations if I don't like them? Like you, They you suck can, because I don't like them. This is where you get to show who you like and who you don't. So here, here we go. We'll get into the exercise, and we're, I'm using the points from NASCAR.com here. Uh, Chase Elliott, a win, three top fives, shit. nine top tens, and a DNF. Shit. Absolute shit. Why? He sucks. I think he's meeting expectations. He, co he comes from the wrong side of the Hendrick garage. I, I think he's met expectations with, with a win and leading the points after 15 races. Well, we do have, we do have some, we're getting into road courses. So yep. for right now, absolutely sucks. He sucks. Okay. Um, interesting thoughts for the, the point there. How about Kyle Busch, second in points, a victory, six top fives, 11 top tens, and only two DNFs. Meets expectations. That's yeah. what I expect of Kyle Busch. I think he's underachieved a little bit because he should have two or three wins, and the one win that he has, he lucked into. He backed into it. He backed into he it. Backed yeah, see, into and it. I feel like that's my thoughts on Chase, as he should be better than what he's at right now. Fair Maybe enough. because he's one of my favorite drivers. Well, I have you, high you have high expectations for your favorites. I respect that. All right. This, this we can ought to skip be, him. No, this ought to be good. Ross Chastain, third in points, two wins, seven top fives, nine top tens, three DNFs. Above expectations. Oh, wow. I I agree with you 100%. He's definitely above um, expectations. And it's not just Ra Rass? Rass. Rass Chastain. 
Accurate. Uh, it's not just Ross. It's the whole track house organization. Uh, man, I was not expecting that from you. Um, I was expecting a for Ross Chastain well, I mean, just because. But Margo does not like. I Ross had to Chastain. make. I had to make sure that my watermelon I bought this week was not one <laughs> from one of the Melon One farms. Oh, and yes, goodness. I have that saved for when I buy watermelon. All right, fourth in points, Ryan Blaney, zero wins, uh, five top five, seven top tens, two DNFs. Didn't he? Oh, that didn't. He count. won the All Star, so it doesn't count. Uh, below expectations. I I agree. He should have a win by now. Yeah. Yep. He should have a couple by now. Uh, at least one. Um, Martin Truex Jr. Zero wins, two top fives, seven top tens, two DNFs, but fifth in points. Below. Below. I feel like because he should have a win. He should have a win. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's met expectations because he's on the downside of his career and contemplating retirement, which is sad. So I, I think he's he's on the line. I, I think he wins before the playoffs. I though. feel like if you're contemplating retirement, don't say anything because then people are going to be like, okay, well, well maybe then, he'll have a great year or they'll expect nothing But now that's, that's all that's going to be in his head the rest of the year. Should I retire or not? That's all he's going to Well, at this about. point, yeah. He's still fifth in points after 15 races. So that consistency is still there. Showed up. <laughs> so has 30 other guys. So I Just mean, I, I know. Um, so sixth in points, Joey Logano, two wins, five top fives, seven top tens, two DNFs, most recent winner. Yeah. You just, yeah. just, does yeah. he meet expectations at least? Yeah. No. I, I think he's, I think he's exceeded because Ford has been the, the worst of the manufacturers. So to get two wins, I'm glad that he won Gateway Clean. So I, I think there he's are, succeeding. There are two drivers I will have exactly zero thoughts on, so you can just skip over them, and that is him and Keselowski. Okay. Um, how like about him. seventh in points, Kyle Larson, a win, six top fives, eight top tens, and four DNFs. Mediocre at best. I think he's. I, I don't. I think he's below expectations yeah. because he's the defending champ. At least three wins at this point in the season last year um, was starting to come into his own last year. Got the win at California, but almost got beat by uh, Suarez that day. Yeah. So I think he's below. Yep. Alex Bowman, eighth in points, a victory that he backed into. Three below. top fives, nine top tens of DNFs. You, you say below? Below. I, I think he's met expectations. I think Alex Bowman's expectations are to win a race and contend in the top ten. Nope. No? Not okay. good so enough. So we disagree on that one. Um, William Byron, the two, only one at Hendrick worth a shit right now. Two victories, <laughs> four top fives, four top tens, three DNFs. I feel like he's fallen off a cliff lately. So I say meet expectations. Yeah, he's met my expectations. Alex Bowman, I feel like he should have one or two more wins. Based right on now. his experience, you think? Yeah. Maybe he needs to go run some short tracks. Well, he's gonna go run some road courses in the truck. So we'll see well. what happens there. Um, Christopher Bell, this is an interesting one. Top ten in points, he's tenth. Zero wins, four top fives, nine top tens, two DNFs. I have no thoughts on him. He's one that I forget about until they start talking about him. So given his expectations, is that below or meeting expectations? I guess meeting. I think... I don't know. He's a tough one because at the beginning of the year, I would have said under expectations because he he was like 30th in points after six races, but now he's battled into the top 10. So I say he's meeting expectations. He just needs to get over that hump. Um, Eric Almarola, this ought to be another interesting one. 11th in points, zero wins, two top fives, five top tens, zero DNFs. Can't wait to see season. Ryan Priest in that car next year. Okay, so you think he's under expectations then? Yeah. I, I, I feel like he, if like he if anybody's is, contemplating a retirement, he should have already signed the papers. For Eric Almarola, I feel like if he's competing for a playoff spot, he's meeting expectations. 
He's uh, putting Florida drivers like, Neh. yeah, that's right. He's a Florida driver. Nobody talks Nobody about talks him. Nobody talks about him. Or BJ McLeod. Everybody plays their favorites. You know, BJ, come on. Hey. Uh, Tyler Reddick, 12th in points, zero wins, four top five, six top tens, three DNFs. That right there tells you he is not Mr. Excitement. No, he's, I mean, he's fun to watch, but you can't give him the same nickname as Jimmy Spencer. He's better in uh, Jade Buford's car. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're talking cuff here, babe. He, yeah, he needs to <laughs> go back to Xfinity. Wow. I, I think he is under expectations because he has blown three or four shots to win. Um, and he should be... I don't think he has the patience yet. In my opinion, he should have already had at least a win and be top eight in points, and he's 12th. So I say under. Um, Kevin Harvick, 13th in points. Oh, actually, trash. though, out <laughs> of the playoffs at the moment with zero wins, three top fives, seven top tens, three DNFs. Trash. Trash, so under? Yep. All right, I, I think he's definitely under expectations. He should easily be in playoff. He should easily be in the playoffs, and he's out right now. Chase Briscoe, 14th in points, a win, three top fives, four top tens, two DNFs, and two blown races. Below. Below? I yeah, say below, And too it's because, below because of those blown races. Right, he should they have, like... his to lose, and he lost them. He should at least have two wins. Yeah. At least, and he's got... One, which is good. He's in the playoffs, so he could he can come back above that line. He can fight back, but I believe he's below as well for that reason. Eric Jones, 15th in points in the 43 car, a top nope. five, five top tens, three DNFs. Did he show up? He shows up every week. He's oh. out there. Wow. For me, he is exceeding expectations because that 43 car has not been good. He's got a couple of of good runs this year, and if it weren't for bad luck, I think he could be like 10th in points. He's just one that, unless he's an elite model at a local track, I don't pay attention to him. I so, don't know why. So I guess he's meeting my expectations because okay. I have none. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, moving to Austin Dillon now. Um, currently not in the playoffs. Uh, three top five, six top tens, 40 NFs. Uh, Should have won the Coke 600. He's about where I expect him to be yeah i think he meets expectations because he's around a 20th to 16th place driver he's there so i, I think we're agreeable on that one uh moving to kurt bush now in the 45 a victory at kansas four top fives six top tens um three dnfs i think he's meeting expectations he's above for me he's above yeah okay because he's got the win with the new team yeah because he's got the one with 23 okay. xi and i feel like other than bubba wallace and being Bubba Wallace, that win is actually what put the 23XI, like, really on the map, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I agree with because, that. Because, you know, all the rednecks was, oh, he actually earned that one. Bubba didn't earn his, you know, because Bubba wasn't leading when the race was over or If anything. he was top 10 in points, I'd say he was meeting, or he'd be above expectations, but he's meeting it because he's always around 15th in points, or always has about a victory. So he's right where I would have expected so we'll move to our Daytona 500 winner, 18th in points, Austin Sendrick, a victory, one top five, two top tens, and three DNFs. I mean, with the win, I feel like he's meet, he's at least meeting expectations, but uh, no, I, yeah, he's meeting it for me. I expected him to be around this yeah. place in the points. He's meeting it for me. I don't have any thoughts on him, so he's just kind of meeting. He's I, there. He's, he's there. Uh, I'm here, not a huge Penske fan. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge Austin Cindric fan, so he meets expectations for me. Uh, Denny Hamlin, 19th in points. He's got two wins, three top fives, three top tens, four DNFs, below expectations. Yep. 100%. I know he's got the two wins. Lucked into the Coke 600, if you ask me. Richmond, great strategy. Saved his season. 
should have just the one victory. Um, and if it weren't for the wins, he'd be out of the playoffs right now. Yeah, he's below. Way questions. below. Way, I mean, there's no question about that. Daniel Suarez, 20th in points, two top fives, four top tens, three DNFs. I, I feel like he's meeting expectations because he's running well, but, man, he should, if it wasn't for bad luck, he should be at least contending for a playoff spot, wouldn't you think? Yeah, he's meeting my expectations. But like I said with Ross, the whole track house organization is above what my expectations were. So. I feel like he is going to be one of those drivers that wins a race before the playoffs and gets in. What do you think? I don't know enough about the playoffs. Like, you can try to explain it to me all you want. I don't care. Well, all you got to do is win and you're in. So. so, I mean, I guess. But if it's going to be between him and Ricky Stenhouse. <laughs> well, then you'll go for Ricky all day. Obviously. Um, Michael McDowell, the 34 you? car. Michael McDowell, 2020 Daytona 500 winner, whatever year that was. 2021, I can't remember. Uh, five top tens, zero top fives, uh, one DNF. I feel like he's meeting expectations because he's around a 20th place driver. He's there. He's there. Um, Bubba Wallace in the 23, uh, 22nd in points, a top five, two top tens, three DNFs, below expectations for me. Well, because this, I know he can do better. At this point, he should be at least in the top 15 in points. Um, he's had good cars and shit luck. Yeah, so, I know he still, can do better. I think he definitely is one that can rise up here, but below expectations at this point. Justin Haley, 23rd in points as a rookie, a top five, one top 10, two DNFs. Meeting expectations, I expected him to be about 20th to 25th in points. Yeah. He's, he's Just there. there, right? He's there for you. Um, Chris Busher in no. the 17. T- man, his luck has been terrible lately. Flipping at Charlotte, getting COVID, missing a race, dropping in a 24th in points. He's got three top 10s on the year. With Brad Keselowski coming over to Roush Fenway, Keselowski Racing, I expected this team to be a top, at least like a top 20 team, and neither car is there. So I say he's- under. Does he drive for Keselowski? He is, is that a Keselowski car? Yes, the 6 and 17 are teammates. Oh, okay. I, well, there you go. There's my thoughts on him. I don't pay you attention. Don't, so you're, you're he's neutral. upside down in front of me. There you go. Uh, speaking of upside down in front of you, here's a man uh, you'd like to have upside down in front of you. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 25th in points, a top five and five top tens. Meets expectations for me. This is where he always is. I just want to be that man's floor. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a low floor and a high ceiling is what you're saying. Okay, I got you. Margo, Margo will always think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. meets expectations. No, he doesn't. I want I he's so damn good this year and then like at, at least a mile and a half track. So damn good he's, and then either, somehow manages He's feast or famine. He's either good or he's terrible. Yeah. He's either in the top 10. He had like what? 4 or 5 in a row, didn't he? He had f- 5 in a row? Yeah, and then Gateway, he was just was Shit. he there? Did he race? Uh, he's Oh, he got Yeah, that's right. He spun out Bubba and then Denny tried to take him out. Rough race. It's because Denny Hamlin has no talent. <laughs> well, he has talent. I don't know. I forgot what Ricky's uh, quote was, but it was really funny. Uh, Ty Dillon in the 42. Don't even think about him. Top 10, two DNFs. Uh, I mean, meets expectations for me because I expected this team to be kind of meh. Yeah. Mm, meh. The second petty. He's a teammate to Eric Jones, who's in the, ch- in the chase right now. So, I, I don't know. Uh, meets expectations. Colt Custer in the 41. It's like his third year in this car. Hasn't he hasn't won since driven 2020. under anyone yet. No, he has not. He has zero top tens, though, and five DNFs definitely below expectations. He sucks. He's, yeah, he's going to lose that ride, I think. Harrison Burton in the 21, 28th in points, no top tens, the best finish at 12th, three DNFs. Meets expectations for me because I didn't expect anything out of him. Yep. It's sad. I, w- I, wish I, I wish I was talking better about him, but 
Yeah. It's just not the case. I love Harrison, but no, he sucks. Yep. Uh, we're getting to the end of this thing here. Just a couple to go. Todd Gilliland in the 38, 29th in points as a rookie, zero top tens, three DNFs. Uh, he's right there with Harrison for me, meets expectations because, again, no expectations. Yep. Accurate. If he, if he lucks into a good finish, I'll be surprised. Um, next on the list, 30th in points. Remember, a 100-point penalty for Keselowski with one top 10. Brad Keselowski is who we're talking about. Uh, two top or two DNFs, one top 10, definitely below expectations. I expected him to be around 18th to 20th in points, not 30th. Given the points back, he's maybe 24th in points, so I think it's been a below-average season for him. I wish he'd just go away. Well, he's going to be around a while, I think. I'd love not to see if the, he keeps performing. Well, like he'll this. he'll be owning the team for a long time. I, I would love to see the team's performance uh, on the uptick, but it just hasn't happened yet. Corey LaJoy in the seven, a top. He's got a top five actually at, at Atlanta, a top ten and five DNFs. Um, Corey LaJoy meets expectations for me because well, he's Corey LaJoy. He's the, there. The only thing good about Corey LaJoy is his hair. There you go. Uh, so his hair meet, is definitely uh, above expectations. He's got better hair than I do. Yeah, he's he's a lucky man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good beard, good hair. What more could you ask for? And his dad's awesome too. Um, Cody Ware in the fifty-one. Meh. He's ahead of somebody. He's ahead of BJ McLeod because BJ hasn't raced two races. They. Mm-hmm. So Cody Ware is last in points among the drivers that have run all the races. Cody Ware he's, is meh. really good. My Whatever. expectation of him is to bring out some bullshit caution, and he does that every race. And he does. So he meets expectations. Yeah. Good job, Cody Ware. BJ McLeod, last driver on the list. He's made 13 starts. Of course, zero top tens. Um, I'm glad he's out there, and it's cool to see BJ doing what he loves to do. In an extremely low-budget team. Oh, yeah. It's definitely low-budget. Representing Florida, but... I mean, definitely meets expectations because we expect him to be either tail end of the lead lap or a couple laps down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going not to hate on him. Uh, but, yeah, BJ... This has been BJ's MO since he's been in NASCAR. So. He just wants to be there. He's there, and he's living the dream. He so just wants to be there. That's meets all expectations BJ for me. about. And everybody else on the list is a couple of one-off drivers that we don't need to talk about, but... There are our thoughts. Say Boris said. Boris said, yeah, Boris did the road course race. Got He's got 11 points on the season, 37 points. Villeneuve. Yeah, David Reagan, Greg Biffle, Jacques Villeneuve, Boris said, and Joey Hind. Bring Biffle back. Biffle well, when they bad. did, it was kind of meh. Well, that 44 is meh. That's but true. Anyways, there's our thoughts on the season so far with the drivers and their expectations. So we'll end the show here. With our picks for Sonoma at the road course, I feel like I know who you're going to take, but who you got? Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott. I figured so much. I, I expect him to be good. I think Larson will be good. But, man, my pick is Kyle Busch. He's been so close. I think he gets win number two. Oh, yay. Um, you I, picked him, so you can't complain now. No, I can't complain because I don't <laughs> like him. I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to make myself look smart. Um, out of the drivers that haven't won this yet, who do you think has the best shot on the road course? You got Blaney, Truex, Bell, Almirola, Reddick, Harvick, Jones, Dylan, Suarez, Michael McDowell, AJ Allmendinger. <laughs> Ricky Stenhouse. Ricky Stenhouse. Okay, Margo's going to take a swing. I'm going AJ no. Allmendinger. Uh, my. Well, that, huh? that's obvious. <laughs> well, I gave you, I mentioned his name and you didn't take it. There you go. That's it right there. All right. So we're both going AJ Allmendinger. For or like first. maybe Truex is going to pull one out of his hat. It could happen. It could happen. I, I think we get a repeat this week, though. Yeah, with, with Kyle Busch. And, or Chasse. And you think Chase Elliott. Chasse so. We'll see how that plays out. We'll talk about it on next week's show. Margo, thanks for joining for that segment. People love to hear your opinions. So.
Did you already talk about what I was watching earlier and what we're watching tonight? Are we going to yeah, recap that stuff? We're going to do it next week because recording earlier, I mentioned how the, the Money in the Bank got postponed and didn't even mention Eldora. So we'll talk about that next week. I, mean, I can kind of pay attention to Eldora, but not too much. But Yeah, I, know. I, I told everybody we're, we're kind of asphalt focused unless we specifically go to the dirt track. So yeah, that's kind of what it is. Eldora is a great track, but we're going to focus on Money in the Bank and Thunder Road and whatever local racing we get to this weekend. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Our kids are crazy. Mm-hmm. That, that's my final thought. All right, kids. Oh, a happy birthday to Ron D'Alessandro. Yes, I know we're recording yes, our today. Sponsor, yes, happy birthday, 124 Welding and Fab, Ron D'Alessandro. Happy birthday. That's all. He's that's, a good dude. That's Buy my some final stuff thought. All right, final thoughts. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Take care.